0: Welcome back to Whitgift Conversations, the podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. In this episode, we're talking to Deputy Director of Learning and Innovation, James Pigott. We'll discover exactly what the role of Deputy Director of Learning and Innovation entails, what values the school instills in its students and how they prepare students for what comes after their studies. But we'll also delve into the world of academia, finding out what teaching philosophy is like what kind of academic enrichment WitGift gift offers, and how the school enables students to fulfil their potential. Now, this episode is great. James has a real passion for teaching and education, and he brings his energy and depth to the conversation. So good to hear. So come with me now as we discover all about learning, innovation, and academic enrichment with James Piggott. James, thank you for being here, and welcome to this episode of
1: the podcast.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very very well I just had I've just come out of one of those lessons with the fourth form that makes you absolutely love being a teacher when you posit one of those single ideas in front of a group of students and they just unravel the mystery themselves it's it's one of those sort of slightly dream lessons so I'm, I'm in a very very good mood
0: wow that's fantastic are you allowed to share with us what that idea was
1: It was the idea that possibly, so I I teach theology and philosophy and on the theology side of things it's the slightly controversial modern idea that we should view the figure of Jesus historically as a little bit of a political revolutionary and it Mm. sort of captures the imagination of the students and then you present seemingly unrelated evidence and they start piecing it together bit by bit and then the penny drops. It's an immensely fun lesson.
0: Wow, fantastic. Fantastic. I think all of us, including myself, listening to this right now, kind of putting ourselves in your shoes and just sort of picturing all of that (laughs) happening. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. James, we're going to talk about a number of things on this episode, but I'd love to know a little bit more about yourself, first of all. So where you went to school and what your own experience of school life was like when you were younger.
1: So I'm in the slightly privileged position that um, I went to Trinity School, which is one of the other Whitgift Foundation schools. So Whitgift and Trinity are brother schools. And my experience of school life was wonderful. I loved school. I mean, I absolutely loved school. As much for the academics, actually, as for the the co-curricular. And I absolutely loved just throwing myself into absolutely anything. From editing school magazines, uh, leading um, drama productions prefect as well along the way i've been to modern united nations i debated i even at some point played under 12e rugby for the school which was my sporting highlight i just love school for the opportunity and that, that was very much when i think of school opportunity is what comes to mind and i just absolutely loved it
0: I guess it's not unusual really for people who work in a school to have had a good experience of their own school life because otherwise I imagine they wouldn't have gone into school. But actually looking at that in a very positive way, it means that generally speaking, people who work in a school had a good experience. Therefore, they're probably more willing to share that positive experience that they had with current pupils.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think they will not only want to share it, they'd want to reflect on it and see how to apply it decades later to a different generation. I also wonder as well if some teachers who maybe enjoyed school, but there were parts of it they didn't like, they move into education looking to deal with those areas they didn't like and see if they can make a more positive impact and change the system in some way.
0: Yeah, this is what I didn't have, therefore this is what I want to provide for the next generation. I like that.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I think that goes to probably the heart of most teachers, which is a moral disposition towards their their mm. career they are here because i mean they are very t- very talented colleagues they could have gone anywhere to be honest and been very successful but they chose to teach there's a moral mm. conviction there that they love their subject area that they want to better students and the next generations along and maybe it's a touch idealistic but when you do talk to staff they, they genuinely do talk about that they want a particular student to do well they want a class to succeed there's a moral element to it
0: Okay, well, let's take it back then to to Whitgift. Now, your your title there in school is Deputy Director of Learning and Innovation. First of all, tell us what that is.
1: So, I have I have a wonderful role. There, there are a number of different parts to it, but the the uniting factor of the role is how do we ensure that Whitgift students can fulfil their potential. I work with uh, Mrs Goldberg, who's the Assistant Head, um, Learning and Innovation. I answer to her on all these matters. She's brilliant to work with she's inspirational and my job but there's a number of parts to it I lead academic enrichment in the school and academic enrichment is this idea that there should be a place in education just to revel in intellectual ideas to pursue your academic interests it could cover anything from you know designing new concepts that could save the world changing government policy historical research philosophical research I'm also, along with Mrs. Goldberg, the coaching lead for Whitgift School, and I would love. Hopefully, I think we will probably talk about coaching at great length at some point. I certainly would love to. But coaching is a way that we approach our interactions with students, and it's it's really about building responsibility and taking ownership by students, and that's that's the key. I I also, along the way, I focus on the idea of how do we stretch students academically in class. About two years ago, I wrote a booklet, which is how to promote higher thinking and second order thinking inside a classroom and then adapted that for when we moved into the COVID pandemic. How do you do it online in a way that this sort of video conferencing education, you know, does it have to get in the way of education? The answer I unwaveringly believe is no, but it does Mm -hmm. take some thought and it takes and and it was a joy doing that thought and then Mm -hmm. working with with Mrs Goldberg to make that a reality.
0: And then you teach, of course, as well. I mean, how do you balance the, the, those aspects you've just been telling me about with, with the students and the actual teaching in class?
1: I mean, if, if I sounded excited about my role as dip director, the teaching side of it is even more exciting. I mean, it's the reason I became a teacher. This is not a first career for me, this is a second career. I spent five years uh, as a banking litigator at a large international law firm. and. I grew bored of a lack of people and people interaction. It was a lot of paperwork. It was a lot of at the desk. I missed human interaction. I missed intellectual thought. And I stumbled onto teaching by accident. So for me, t- teaching is my main job. I have this wonderful other role, which is amazing. And I absolutely love my subjects of theology and philosophy. But how mm. do I make them work? Well, they flow into each other. In my classroom, I have the privilege of being able to you know, try out new techniques able to sort of push students to build those relationships you know i can coach them but also i can try genuinely different strategies in the classroom see what works what doesn't work i think also when it comes to really sort of pushing the very highest level of thinking and sort of stretching students intellectually philosophy plays a huge part in that Mm -hmm. if if you know every subject on earth is what we might call a first order subject it examines Mm -hmm. the world philosophy is the second order subject it says well, what do you mean by world um, why would the scientific method uh, is it better worse than the historic method hmm. it poses those really fundamental questions of reality and as I tell you know, when I teach the first form I tell them you know over the next year we're going to tear down the walls of reality and see what's left and that's that's a joy to do
0: awesome it'd be great to do at some stage a podcast episode just on this this is fascinating stuff but let's talk a little bit about values. I'd love to unpack that at uh, WITGIFT. I mean, how do the values uh, affect the students in the school? What values does Whitgift want to instil in the students?
1: I think the first one we, we often talk about is this idea of independence. And it's, it's, it's used a lot inside the education system. We want students to be independent. But actually, what does Whitgift mean by that? Well, independence is not isolation. We don't mm-hmm. want students thinking they are sort of, isolated and they have to succeed or you know it's just on their own actually independence ironically is about learning how to interact with others that you take responsibility for a huge amount of what you do mm. but we build on the shoulders of giants you have teachers around you you have fellow students independence and again it sounds ironic it is actually learning to work with others in a way where you do the work you push yourselves you are proactive and sort of building your ideas your understanding challenging the ideas of others That independence, academically, also flows, I suppose, into independence in life more generally. That We want our students to say, if I want to achieve a certain thing, how do I do it? And I would always want to see a student say, how do I do it, rather than tell me how to do it. And that's the difference. One of the great tests, I think, of independence in a classroom is you pose a question to a student. And the student could either say, I don't know, or they could say... Here's my best educated guess. I take the risk. The latter one is the independent student. And I think, you know, when you think about other values in this, we we also want the idea of relishing challenge. And this isn't some sort of macho idea of, of winning and of hierarchy. Relishing challenge is the idea that when there's a puzzle in front of you, there are possibly 100 different answers but finding the best one for those circumstances. You know, any obstacle you might face, how do I get round this? You know, and if you learn to relish challenge and you build your sort of problem-solving skills, you become even more independent. And then, of Mm. course, you are able to help others. I would also, you know, I firmly believe, actually, we also want to instil in our students a clear sense of curiosity that when we present them with something, I would like them to say, why? Why? I'd like Mm. them to understand what's really going on. Anyone can understand facts, but to understand why things work the way they do and whether it's the best way, and then maybe presenting alternative solutions. That curiosity, I think, is something that if we can instill, and we do, and I think we do it very successfully, a child can come from any background but can go anywhere, because curiosity Mm. can just set ablaze a child's future.
0: So this strikes me then, without wanting to put words in your mouth, that Uh, WIC gift, you're sort of, this makes it sound like a bit of an advert, I I promise it's not, but it sounds to me like you're preparing children for what happens in life after they leave school, as opposed to preparing them to pass exams.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Exams are important, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no doubt about that, but what we want is that young men go out into the world ready for it and ready Mm. to contribute meaningfully. You know, we, we often talk about the idea that we would like everyone to go on to be a leader and by that we don't mean leading nations necessarily and armies what we mean is someone who goes into an area and makes it better and that's about again the problem solving the independence the curiosity you know when i'm 20 years into my career i hope that i have students who come back who have done extraordinary and quite surprising things and they will talk, and I suspect this is definitely going to happen, that they'll come back and say, well, you know, it was that curiosity you instilled in me. I didn't accept no for an answer. I didn't accept I don't know as an answer. Mm. I went out to find and I just stumbled upon this and then this and then I made it my own. Yes, the great test for us is the young men who leave and what they go and do and why they go and do it.
0: That sounds awesome. Now, you mentioned the word coaching right at the start of this. I'd love to unpack that a little bit. Tell me what is coaching at Whitgift, and what role does it play?
1: So coaching is a way of approaching an interaction with individuals. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be in an educational environment. Coaching, as we discuss it, occurs in all industries or it can occur in all industries. And mm. coaching is the idea that the way in which we interact with others, instead of giving them the answers, what we should do is help them take ownership for whatever obstacle or puzzle they're trying to get around and facilitate them finding the answer. I suppose there's a few principles there that I firmly believe, and I think this goes for all the staff at the school, we firmly believe that students can solve their own problems. They shouldn't be left to do it in isolation. Again, that goes back to the idea that independence isn't isolation. Mm. But what they can do is be helped to prove that they have the skills to solve a problem. Mm. So you guide them, you you can pose certain questions that get them thinking about the way they're looking at a problem. They might not realise they're looking at it through a particular lens, a lens that inhibits them in some way. So Mm. we want to change the lens. Or perhaps they're just being far too hard on themselves and overcomplicating something. Mm. There is sometimes a great benefit to actually having students step back and say, what's the simplest solution to this? And again, Mm. it's not us giving them the solution, it's getting them to think about it in a new way it goes again to independence that if we can show the students that they should have belief in themselves and that they can do extraordinary things they don't need necessarily to rely on others though they should and always would be able to talk to staff but they will then become self-sufficient and that sort of then starts to snowball and if you can instill that in a teenage boy he can then enter a stressful part of his life which let's be frank GCSEs levels international baccalaureate they have their stress points Mm. they are obstacles in their own way if they can start almost self-coaching you teach them how to coach you coach them they then internalize that they can approach any obstacle and start overcoming it in a more meaningful manner they take pride in what they do they know what they're capable of it builds self-esteem it then sets a tone they realize that what they thought was the ceiling of their potential it's wrong that's too low they could do more Mm. and i think The beautiful thing about WitGift is that so many students come from so many different backgrounds. I mean, I'm Croydon born and bred. There have been piggots in Croydon for almost 150 years. (laughs) We are, I think, blessed by the diversity of heritage we have here. And what's amazing is that it doesn't matter who the student is. If you can just sort of drop that little seed that you could do this, you can do anything. And it sounds overly idealised. But sometimes there are some students that need that, that you need to say, you know, you can do it. Let me show you. And I'm mm. not going to do it. I'm just going to facilitate it. And that, again, I say it starts to snowball, it starts to build.
0: And then obviously this coaching is going to help them later in life. But do you think that it also leads to maybe more encouraging aspects of life where they might want to coach themselves? As in, do the coaching themselves for other younger people, almost like a mentor kind of scheme?
1: Absolutely. So as we start to plan out the, sort of, the journey of coaching, we're about three years into coaching at Whitgift um we're at the moment where we're training up half the staff have gone on coaching training i am one of four members of staff who who does the training it's it's really really good fun it's eye-opening actually for many members of staff it's liberating for them but yes you're right the next step is then having students coach students and there's a couple of ways that can look you can quite literally train a student how to coach and they go and coach another student which is very exciting And i think that's something we're going to look to in the next year or so But there's also the idea of embedding sort of a coach-like disposition into their lessons, into their interactions with form tutors and staff, that if you could cultivate a habit within them of asking those questions that are coach-like of themselves and of others in debates and discussions, they will well raise each other up and it's something at the moment i'm sort of refocusing really on in lessons particularly with the gcse years i've found it's getting boys to be coached like with each other and seeing what they can uncover what they can achieve which they they didn't realize they could achieve it's an honor to watch sometimes it really is brilliant when that student just goes what i did it what how <laughs> yeah how did i get here
0: <laughs> they kind yeah. of smash smash through those limiting beliefs absolutely hmm. Okay, now you mentioned academic enrichment right at the start of this podcast, and you you, you kind of very quickly talked about what that was. But tell us in more detail what that is, because I imagine that's a phrase that a lot of the people listening to this might not have heard. Or if they have heard it, they might not know what it means.
1: Absolutely. So academic enrichment is something that's happened at Whitgift for decades. And it's the idea that there should be a place in Whitgift to pursue academic interests and pursuits and just revel in ideas for the joy of reveling in ideas. I took over academic enrichment in Easter 2020, which people are doing the maths in their head means I took it over in the middle of the middle of the first lockdown, effectively. Mm, yeah. I couldn't bring in external speakers. That obviously wasn't happening. We weren't in school. And the question came, you know, what, how therefore do we enrich students who want to pursue academic interests? What do we want as a school as well? And as a school, we wanted students to have the place to be free, to explore what they wanted to, to puzzle things through themselves, to just take great joy in finding something that they didn't know. Mm. So we started a brand new system of academic enrichment that is entirely student-led. And by that, I mean every session was led by a student giving, it started with presentations about ideas and things that had taken their interest, and they would explain what they were going to do to pursue it further. And this morphed into what we call the journal, which is the first ever academic journal of the school. As I said to the boys, it's the first time in 400 years of school history that student academia has ever been collected together. We started it 12 months ago, and we find ourselves a year later with two volumes, 120 articles, that cover everything from philosophy and history through to design and engineering, creative writing... And the idea is that it shouldn't be me, as the head of academic enrichment, telling them what to do. Instead, I want them to tell me what they want to do, and then I want to help make it happen. One of the great great joys of this job is when the Amazon packages turn up with books, and students who you never suspect have found an interest, they've found the book they want to read, and they start reading it, and then they start writing. And the most common comment I get from students of all year groups when they try it for the very first time is, I never thought I would write so much, and I never thought I would learn so much, which sounds slightly corny, but they're genuinely surprised by what they're capable of. I had one student, fantastic student, pursued the idea of evolution and anthropology. It's not something, especially anthropology, that you study in secondary school. No. He is now absolutely hooked, and I have sneaking suspicion when he heads towards university, that will be something he takes further. It's that idea, again, I suppose, of opportunity. It's the thing I, I, I relish in education, the ability to go and try new things and be the person that opens those doors for individuals. And academic enrichment, as hopefully we progress, we will then, again, bring in expert speakers and just interesting figures. And I want to make sure that when we do that, you know, we do it in such a way that it is representative and it's diverse we want to make sure that different voices are heard and that boys are exposed to viewpoints and from people of different um different philosophical and theological dispositions they may never have encountered before. And it's never that they have to agree with them, but actually the benefit there is being, again, it's that planting that seed of an idea that they mm. might agree, they might disagree with, but they go away thinking. And then they start, well, they start sort of linking different subjects together. You know, th- the divide of subjects in secondary education is sensible but it is also compartmentalizing sections of knowledge and if students can start to see and they they do through academic enrichment that there's links between it you know often set them to challenge what links philosophy and biology or physics and art they should see the connections between them and then a richer tapestry emerges and it's quite exciting when something they they've discovered in history they suddenly see its implications in another lesson it's a joy to be part of
0: yeah, I'm sure it is, and I, I I think a lot of a lot of people, you know, not just in the in the teaching world, but I think a lot of parents often think about subjects just in that compartmentalized sort of structure, and I guess practically speaking, we understand why it is there, but that there, there is a real joy and a beauty, isn't there, when you start to explore and see certain subjects in other subjects? I think it's fantastic,
1: and I think it sets them up for the reality of higher education that at university. Again, one of the great joys of university is that you may have selected a subject or two subjects, but you can dip in and out of other subjects. It's a great Mm. freedom. Let's set them up for that. Let's Mm. send them there wanting to explore anthropology, sociology, or just a language they've never encountered. Again, it goes hand in hand with the idea of planting that seed of curiosity. Take that risk, be independent, coach yourself through it.
0: Okay, so let's look at then within lessons. How is WitGift enabling students to fulfil their potential?
1: I think one of the great strengths of WitGift gifts is, is sort of we've cultivated across the school within teachers that students should lead their lessons and of course that doesn't mean teachers play no role but teachers are there to facilitate to push to prompt to nudge to inspire but students should take ownership and should you know, they should be the ones working their way through things, piecing things together. Hand in hand with that goes the idea of pitching ambitiously, that there is that sort of sweet spot in education where you pitch high, not so high as to exclude or to confuse, but not so low as to keep it, frankly, boring. You know, Hmm. that middle ground of challenging the student, pitching it ambitiously, sets challenge for students, pushes them in ways they won't know that they're capable of. And it also means that even the most able student is stretched to to fulfil their potential but also be challenged in every single lesson. Hand in hand, and I keep using that phrase and I shouldn't really, uh, another way of looking at this is is the idea that we want our curriculum to be designed in such a way that students fulfil their potential regardless of background. One of our focuses as a school at the moment is the idea of diversity and inclusivity. And the question is... Does our curriculum enable students of any background to fulfil their potential? Are students, the Afro-Caribbean community, represented you know, in their syllabuses? Do we have enough voice given to feminism, to egalitarianism, to other things like that? Mm-hmm. And the idea is that then you can, students can fulfil their potential because they see that they are able to do anything. Um, and, and this goes as well to academic enrichment speakers... I would like someone on stage who a student sits there and goes, I didn't think I could be that person, Mm. but I can. I know that I, from whatever background or heritage, I am capable of doing anything. And we need to make sure, and we do, that the curriculum is inclusive in that sense. Because a student of any background should be able to fulfill their potential. There's not one-size-fits-all model. There's a lot of moving parts, and I think we're very proud, and rightly so as a school, of the way in which we are multicultural and our curriculum meets meets that and indeed promotes it and values it enormously
0: james this is fantastic this has been really really good talking to you about this it's, it's a deep and meaningful conversation and I, I wish we could carry on talking about it but we we do need to bring this episode to a close if anyone's heard anything and they wanted to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to connect with you
1: please feel free to email me at Whitgift. Uh, it's jwp at witgift.co.uk. That's great. Well, look,
0: thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here, especially this late on a Wednesday evening. It's now gone six o'clock and you're still sat there in a, in, in a dark classroom. So I appreciate that. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much indeed.
0: So that was Deputy Director of Learning and Innovation, James Piggott. Thank you, James, for coming on to this episode of Witgift Conversations. It's really good to hear all about learning and innovation and just how passionate you are about teaching at Witgift. Now, if you're listening to this and you'd like to get in touch with James, then you can email him directly. It's jwp at and he'll be right there to answer all your questions. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.